Hello and welcome to the couch. Make yourselves at home. There's plenty of room. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I'm Kosi. And I'm Chris. And this is the Real Couch Guys podcast. If you're new to this, we are your one-stop shop for movie reviews, news, and all things cinema. So this is how the show breaks down, folks. We spend the first half covering the biggest news stories of the week in the world of movies and entertainment. Then we go right into our movie reviews for this week's latest releases. But first, let's kick things off, as we always do, with this week's Box Office Roundup. And this is coming straight to us from our friends at Box Office Mojo. So coming in at number one for this week, which is the week of January 14th through the 20th, we have... Scream with a total gross of thirty-eight million domestically. Wait, so Spider-Man didn't like come back into the top spot? Spider-Man did not come back in the top spot, which okay. is surprising. Scream has some legs All to right, it. Ghostface, doing right. pretty good. Okay, okay. But, uh, coming in at number second, we finally have Spider-Man with seven hundred and six million. Jeez, I believe it's now number four in terms of the um, highest domestic box office of all wow, time. Wow, so it beat, has it passed Black Panther? Already? It has officially passed Black Panther, all so right. that's pretty impressive that's for them. Hey, Marvel Sony Studios. must be thrilled. Sony, Sony and Marvel both. <laughs> so coming at number three, we have Sing 2 with $122 million. Right. We have the 355 with $9 million. I know they've been struggling. Oh, I feel man. so bad for the 355. Yeah, man, but such a great cast, too. Yeah, it is a fantastic cast. Great cast. And then finally, rounding out your top five, we have The King's Man with $29 million. I'd say it's it's a pretty uh, slow um, box office week, but it's I'm I'm actually glad to see Scream is like holding steady. Um, yeah, I thought it would wouldn't have this kind of stronghold on the box office, so it's great to see. And you know, honestly, we haven't had any major releases in the past of course, uh, yeah. week, so there's that too. Yeah, we've had Scream and the other holds out licorice pizza licorice still pizza, hanging yeah. in there. Yeah, get some of that Oscar buzz on, but beyond that, kind of slow. That's okay. Yeah, I think the next big release is in two weeks with Moonfall, which I am personally very excited for. Oh, it gosh, Moonfall. You know what's funny? Moonfall has already kind of become a, a bit of a joke online. People are l- looking at that trailer. They're saying it's it's pretty much ridiculous. You know, we... But, <laughs> basically, the Earth is fighting the moon in this thing. There's yeah, some sort the, of alien presence on, using the moon as a base. I think it's and, like some... A, a, um, artificial intelligence, to be honest, but it's housed within the moon. Yeah, and yeah, then they're gonna they're, their idea is to throw the moon at Earth, and obviously it's written by Roland Emmerich. <laughs> no, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich. Those guys, the guys that did uh, Day After Tomorrow, the 2012, like every crazy disaster movie you've seen, this team has been has been behind. So yeah, I, I know that some of the billboards I've been posting up across the country, I've and seen. they have uh, things like the moon sucks. Screw the moon. Screw the moon. In the so. trailer, there's a there's a there's a shuttle that had graffitied "Screw the moon" on it, or "The moon sucks." And you know what? I think it just shows that the marketing team and the, even the people making it, they're in on the joke as well. Yeah, they're having a fun time. Yeah, they know it's a it's it's a movie about the moon falling. They're not going to take itself too seriously, and I don't expect it to. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I honestly think this is going to be one of those movies that's bad, but you're going to have a fun time watching it oh, with yeah. your friends. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, just look at how ridiculous this thing is. And the cast, like, Patrick Wilson, um, Halle Berry's in it. Um, the uh, Our friend, uh, uh, Tarly. Yes. Uh, Tarly's in it. Yeah. Tarly's Samuel getting, Tarly. From Sam Game Tarly's getting it. I, I don't know the actor's real name. No one does. But, <laughs> no one does. Even though I have an ID, IMDb tab here, I don't care. You're always Sam Tarly. Who cares? Um, All right. You know, <laughs> 
with that down out of the way, let's hop into our first major news story of the week. <laughs> and this uh, this story is coming from Variety. Um, um, it's official. Squid Game, Netflix's breakout hit of 2021, will be getting a season two. The CEO and chief content creator Ted Sarandos confirmed this in a fourth quarter meeting call. Um, then uh, Sarandos was asked whether or not the second season of the Violent K drama, which has scored the company's highest rating, would come back for would come back for I'm sorry, would come back for a second season. He answered absolutely, and he and he also replied that the Squid Game universe has just begun. Um, I think that's huge. Um, just that piece of information, the Squid Game universe, not exactly. just like season two, but like a whole universe. Um, yeah, that's the big part, the biggest part of this story. Yeah, they have bigger bigger plans and. Uh, honestly, just just looking up on this, not just season two, but just how um, the, the the director Huang Da Kyung uh, came up with it. Um, he had been trying for for years to get this this script off the ground. Um, he and his mother's grand and his grandmother had taken out loans to stay afloat. Um, they were under some hard times during the time of, of him trying to get it off the ground. Um, they're de- they're dealing with the, with the debt crisis in his home country of South Korea. And Huang was inspired by titles such as Battle Royale, The Liar Game, and and, Gamble, and, and Gambling Apocalypse Kaiji. Um, so, and so Huang saw himself in these characters and situations and likened it to his own. So he considered that idea and considered it often and pondered the idea of joining a survival game to get him and his family out of their of their situation. So when when Huang completed the script in two thousand nine, um, he just set it aside and just for a good decade just trying to get it chopped out and um it wasn't it wasn't until it wasn't until 2019 that he got the call from netflix to to come in and like and produce this and so as we can see here this this was a gigantic success um this night episode korean drama was uh debuted last year in september and immediately skyrocketed to the top of netflix charts um immediately and it became the top 10 in over 94 countries and it was viewed by over 100 million accounts um that beat the previous record held by bridgerton at 82 million um and according to bloomberg this is um according to bloomberg this series generated the generated almost 900 million dollars after after costing a meager 21 million dollars to produce so that is insane the flip is amazing um I'm just happy for Huang. It's a great story. Yeah, no, it's a yeah. fantastic story. I'm so happy for the director. I know at one point, I think he he had to sell his laptop or it was stolen, and he struggled for six months just to get the first episode written. Yeah, man. Just trying to figure out how it all works. So this is a wonderful, like, Hollywood success story. Yeah. Happy for them and the cast for all become major stars now because of the series. And I believe the, um, the, the thing that's, I think, been so good about Squid, Squid Game is that it kind of, it really puts you in in the stri- in the seat of the characters it really puts you in their shoes and lets you understand like hey and it, it makes you actually almost ask yourself what would I do in this situation what would I do if I had to go do a certain game because a lot of these games are like are 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 um are um, natural to them are part of like their own heritage so like what would so what what would I bring into my to my view on this game and, and how would I bring my strategy in and just seeing how different characters like strategized and teamed up and seeing it all come out it, it made for great television and just really compelling television and just the world building it did all that uh, came together in just a really great season so to see them not only have a two but you might just get spinoffs you might i think the old man might get a spinoff like main guy might get it like there are a lot of ideas for like where they could go in a universe not just a season two yeah i mean squid game has such resonate 
it just resonates really well with the audience because of its its, its take on this dark side of capitalism and um, wealth disparity between the haves and the haves not and people really can connect with that they're kind of struggling with that especially during this pandemic we have a lot of people that are unemployed they're struggling so Squid Game really it kind of came at the right time which is how these kind of stories happen right so you have a hit that comes out of nowhere because people just identify it when it comes in that right moment yeah it's almost like Tiger King, um, the previous same thing with Tiger it, King. Uh, yeah. It's just the right time, right, right content. It's something that we can all like um, gather on and just talk about as a water cooler type show. So yeah, I totally agree. So good, good on them. I'm just excited to see what Squid Game has to offer. Um, so we got next, man. Yeah. So next up, we have Black Panther Two. Production has been shut down once oh, again. Man. So, Black Panther 2: Wakanda Forever, as it's titled, has been paused after Nakia, actor Lupita Nyong'o, uh, and several other cast and crew members tested positive for COVID-19. Corona. This <laughs> this delay comes on the heels of another with uh, Nyong'o's co-star Letitia Wright, having just recently returned to set following her recovery from a fractured shoulder and a concussion that she sustained in an incident on the film set in November 2021. The positive COVID test meant that production on Wakanda Forever was once again halted, a week after resuming, reported THR. No details regarding the health of Nuanga or other cast members or crew members were released. So, are you excited for this, Wakanda Forever? Is anyone um, excited for Wakanda Forever? Or look, fans out there, anyone? I'm excited, but I don't know. It's the world excited. There's, there's been, um, I don't want to say full-on drama, but there's been a lot of stories about little issues happening on the set yeah, of Black Panther yeah. 2 and a lot of it centers around uh, Letitia Wright who obviously has a, a major role in this film it looks like she might have be the one chosen to take on the mantle of the Black Panther if, if they're going to follow the right. comics yes but I mean she's been facing issues since uh, November of 2020 because I mean at that point you know she posted the infamous video on YouTube kind of questioning oh, oh, the vax, the COVID vaccine questioning the safety of it and she got into several heated exchanges on Twitter with uh, her followers about it. And mm-hmm. to the point where she had to release a follow-up statement, which I believe says, uh, My intention was not to hurt anyone. My only intention of posting the video was it raised my concerns with what the vaccine contains and what we are putting in our bodies. Nothing else. So since then, since that whole little debacle, more stories have come out with her behavior on set about people saying she's... Uh, balking at the uh, COVID-19 mandates and things that are trying to just ensure the safety of the crew. Yeah. And it's kind of rubbed people the wrong way, kind of from a, a social point of view. A lot of people are seeing her as maybe someone they don't want to see more of in the MCU if she's going to hold this attitude. And so, so because hold of her things views, up. they don't, people are like, yeah, I mean, people are pushing back because she's using her views to kind of slow things down, the process of production. She's kind of being difficult uh, to work with. Right. So and it's so, not, not her. See, the thing, and again, this is a hot button issue when anything comes right. about COVID, but I think um, she has the right to just have her beliefs and have, and just question things. I think there's no, no one should be should be ridiculed or like put down for questioning or at least saying, hey, why are, they, why are things the way they are? Where it became an issue was it became a detriment to a project that she signed on, right. a project that not only deals with her, but other people, their crews, or people that huge amount of people, a lot, a lot of millions of dollars on the yeah, line. Yeah, so she didn't. She, I didn't. I, I didn't. She, she didn't think it all the way through in terms of like the effect that her, um, you know, comments would have. Yeah. Forward. And the crazy part is when when this story came out. Um, what was it? Towards the end of last year, there was a story that came out that because of her refusing to get vaccinated, oh yeah, she was yeah. essentially grinding productions to a halt Mm -hmm. and so like within days of that story coming out it was just a rumor but people began calling for the recasting of t'challa 
Because at this point, most of the internet knows that Siri, her character, Letitia Wright's character, will probably take on the mantle. And if we're not particularly interested in seeing more of her, Marvel's in a tough cookie. Yeah. Why not bring yeah. back T'Challa? So, Kosi, let me ask you: How do you feel about the whole recasting T'Challa movement? Because a lot of people want to see that character back on the big screen, even if it's not Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, I mean, another curveball, huh? Okay, so uh, the thing about this is, um, um, as a fan of, uh, I'm a fan of T'Challa the character. Also, Chad, Chad, Chad Bozeman, God, God rest the dead. But yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a fan of T'Challa the character, and um, I want to almost parrot what a, a a pundit that I love a lot, John Campia, his 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 view, and I kind of share the same view. Is um, I think Marvel's beholden to the character of T'Challa. What serves a character best? I think what serves a character best would be to recast and find someone who can tell the story. Mm. T'Challa meant so much to a lot of people, millions of people around the world. He meant so much. Chad as well, but the character and what he represented meant so much. So to see it, you know, be put, be, be not included, it seems kind of weird. That being said, this is Marvel, dude. It's Ryan Coogler also. Ryan Coogler just does nothing but bangers. Right. And if he's able, and he was, he said he went back and did some changes and, and went back and, 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 um, tweet the story for what the situation was so in that regard i do trust him um but i do wish they they'd recast it but i don't think it's going to sour my enjoyment of the film i'm still going to watch the film we're all, we're all going to see this movie um but i think it just had a little bit of a oh man why not why what what was the what was the hold up why couldn't they just find a lot of actors it's hollywood there's there's so many actors that would love to take on this role it's right. their big shoes to fill honestly but it's such an honor right. it's a legacy it's like I think, obviously, sadly, it's it's tragic that that Chadwick Boseman passed away. But this could Black Panther could be something where it could be like a James Bond, where it's a mantle. Mm. We we, That's we a great point. no one's ever batted their eye when we went from Roger Moore to Sean Connery to Pierce Brosnan to 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 now now, now to Daniel Craig. It's it was a mantle. It's some and we're able to still tell the Bond story. So, you know, I trust Marvel, trust Disney, but I just wish that they were able to um, at least bring T'Challa in but again what at the end of the day as long as it serves the story they're trying to tell I'm I'm cool with whatever they want to do I think look the big thing about T'Challa is I, I respect the decision Disney made with like look we have so much respect for the work he put in as this character oh, yeah, we are going to retire the character we're not even going to recast him I understand that decision I respect it but at the same time Black Panther is it's become a cultural phenomenon yeah. And, you know, there's, there are so few black superheroes that everyone can kind of see and identify with that have this level of spotlight. So to think of a world without T'Challa, an MCU without him, without that character for kids to look up to is, I think it's a disservice. I think it would be wonderful because, I mean, even to um, Chadwick Boseman's brother has come out and said, you guys should recast. Yeah. I think that's actually how you would honor the character even more. Keep it going. But I would, I guess, push back a little bit. Like, but what if because um, Kukler had to like scramble and do this mm-hmm. in immense just yeah. circumstances like his friend passed away no, it couldn't and he had easy. to just go and just rewrite like what if like what? so what if what Kukler wrote works like what if it's what, what, if, what if there's a way for him to do this still honor Chadwick and still have it because they have because you know life goes on you know the world just keeps spinning like what if there's a way that Kukler was able to write it so that 
it was a cool little send off or I don't know. We haven't seen the movie, but right. we're speculating like what no, if we no, did no. that? That's that's cool. I mean, but now we're also talking about changing the trajectory of T'Challa's character oh, yes. because an actor died. Most definitely. you know, so yeah. who knows what we just lost? Because yeah. this obviously this wasn't the original plan for the MCU. Yeah. 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 So I, I would have loved to see where T'Challa's character goes next, and I'm, I don't doubt that this rewrite, whatever Ryan Coogler has come up with, mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll be great. Mm-hmm. I feel like people are going to really respond to it well in the long run. Mm-hmm. But it's it's hard to think of it's hard not to think about what we lost, right? You know, a um, little bit of a tangent, but I, where I think that they were going was hinted in what they're doing in What If. Um, they were saying a lot, like, because because Chadwick was able to Chadwick, Chadwick filmed all of his voice recordings for What If, like, well before um, his tragic passing. But they were having discussions, just asking, "Hey, what do you like? Where do you see T'Challa going?" And one and one idea Chadwick had, well, not had, but what he was cool with was saying, "Hey, what if he went more cosmic? What if T'Challa like, like, well, what if like he was able to handle stuff off world and still have a Black Panther on mm-hmm. Crazy, he said he thought this before he passed away, but maybe it was still in the back of his head, like what, like what if? But the fact that he's thinking about that, like, so I'm thinking, maybe they were thinking we could have. T'Challa go cosmic, then have someone on world in T'Challa, just in, in, in Wakanda, holding it down. Whether or not that's what they were doing, um, who knows? This is just what I was thinking from from watching What If. Like, if that was where they wanted to go, I would not have been, like, super duper opposed, but that's, like, yeah, I, reading well, I into it a little I bit. Maybe. Know. I feel conflicted about that, because the idea of Black Panther in space, that's really cool. But at the same time, well, I feel he like... he wouldn't be Black Panther, though. He... Oh, you're... He would have joined the Ravagers. It would oh, have been kind of like what to talk about. Live action that? Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah. There's still so much for him to do. Like, if they wanted to explore that in one if, in like its own animated series mm-hmm. with this alternate version of T'Challa that goes into space, joins the Ravagers, helps defend the, the galaxy, mm-hmm. that's cool. But like, as far as live action go, I'd, I'd rather see him on Earth, like, kind of maybe even carrying out uh, Killmonger's vision of helping, well, not the way Killmonger envisioned right, it, right. but actually helping African American communities. Mm-hmm and helping other Africans within their own continent, kind of mm. bolstering the world with um, Wakanda's technology. So finishing what Killmonger yeah. wanted to do, but like in a, a, a much better way. In a benevolent okay. way. I feel like there's so much more to explore there and so many more themes. So we, I don't think we need him to leave Earth just yet. He, he still has work to do. Yeah. Not true. Well, obviously it's not just me that and you that want to recast. There's... 56,000 signatures on change.org. Right, right. So <laughs> this, the, the movement is definitely gaining um, momentum as we're heading into what, I mean, uh, Black Panther 2. So, like, as I said before, does, this look, does it lower your excitement? Are you excited for it? I, I'm, dude, I'm there day one. I'm so pumped for this look, movie. I, I'm excited. I don't know about Letitia Wright being the face of this franchise moving forward because she kind of let's be real her her public image has soured a little and i'm not saying that she can't fix that i'm not saying it's irreparable it's just is this the face of your franchise right now is this who you want to put on every poster you know what you know who i would vote for the face who mbaku here's why mbaku friend of uh, friend of the channel winston winston duke obviously he was in the first black panther um he is jabari's leader he has claimed that he has claimed to fight for the mantle of Black Panther. He proved in Black Panther to be trustworthy. He saved T'Challa. He's the one that recovered his body after Killmonger defeated him on Warrior Falls. He he brought him back. He was able. He worked alongside the family to fight Killmonger and his forces. He was even there 
he, he was there at both the Battle of Wakanda and Infinity War and the final battle in New York in Endgame. This is true. Like, he was in the, you, got, you, got, you can actually see M'Baku running in the, um, in, the, in the big lineup in the big fight. So I think M'Baku's proven himself to be a defender of the people of Wakanda and people of Earth, which is a big thing. So once it was reported recently that um, Black Panther star, um, that um, Winston Duke got a much beefier role. Um, he he's gonna have a larger role and a much much larger paycheck. What that means, we're not sure. I'm of the I'm a, I'm of the understanding that maybe there could be a place for him to be, step into the mantle. Um, I don't know what you think, but I would yeah. not be opposed to Mbaku. You know, you're not the only one that wants to see him take on the mantle, and I, I feel like there's a big there's a a decent push amongst fans to see him in that role. It's just you have the issue of the way the uh, Wakanda is set up with this. Which is essentially the royal, the Black Panther is supposed to be part of the royal family, the ruling class of Wakanda, and so are we in a situation where Shuri, Letitia Wright's character, is just overlooked, and is it a situation where she knowingly give up this mantle to Mbaku? I think it's a you think one. she'd give it up? Yeah. I, I, oh man, I don't, you don't know. think so. Because I mean, look, we can they can find a technicality within the movie. So like, oh, she's giving it up, or oh, Mbaku's gonna be maybe even running Wakanda for a little bit while the royal family kind of steps down. Yeah, because they don't have the physical ability to be the Black Panther and protect. The, I mean, because that's what the, the Black Panther is at the end. He's supposed to be the protector of Wakanda. Yes, right. Yes. And if the leader isn't strong enough, which is why they have their tribal combat to decide who's in charge. If the leader isn't strong enough to take on that role, maybe someone else should step in. So I don't know. That's what and. <laughs> Rumored, but that's why this will be a perfect opportunity for a wild card to be thrown into the mix. There are rumors; it's been heavily rumored and and talked about that Namor is in this movie to step in and be in the middle of this whole conflict. Um, okay. Hey, so tell us a little bit about Namor, because if you you know. Yeah, so Prince Namor, he is a Submariner. He was actually in Marvel Comics considered to be the first mutant. Um, he's been around since like the 19 the 1920s and and namor is people make fun of him but he's kind of like marvel's version of aquaman but okay but predates aquaman so he he is his he has atlantean and human and human ancestry um he's seen more of like a villain at first Mm -hmm. then anti-hero then becomes kind of a hero but he he has his whole history has been very very um it's very colorful a lot of a, a whole lot of um connections to the x-men okay a lot of connections to that's X-Men. interesting a so, lot of connections to fantastic four so the rumor is that that atlantis the city of atlantis is mm-hmm. going to be is going to come into the mix knowing that wakanda right now is under some kind of leadership turmoil fascinating going to come into and somehow the atlanteans are privy to this mm-hmm. and are going to now use this as a time to strike now, so now see i think that kind of lends to the uh mbaku discussion because it kind of seems like okay if wakanda is under attack by Namor and Atlantis, and they need a strong leader to to defend them. Mm-hmm. I think that is a reasonable time where you might say, "Hey, Mbaku, we need you to take on the mantle because Shuri is more of a, she's more of the technical yeah. side of things. She can't lead us into battle in that way, but she has her technology and she will be useful. But we need you to kind of lead the charge." You know what I can totally see happening in Black Panther too. Maybe like third act, Atlanteans are like again. This is all we, we haven't seen the movie. Theorizing, right? See, yeah. I haven't seen the movie, but I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanteans are attacking. Shuri is like she. Shuri then re, she sees it all happening, and Shuri just realizes, wait, I'm a better inventor. I serve Wakanda better as an inventor and maker of these stuff. Looks to Mbaku, Mbaku, 
I trust you. Like she kind of, she entrusts it to him. Like, hey, you're the one to do this, but because because you you can serve that you can serve that um, purpose better. I'm the Avenger. Let's be a let's be a team in that way. And Mbaku assumes, and then he goes and and goes and fights. You know, I, uh, I like that idea even more because we she get both right. Yeah, yeah she, we get to see Shuri try to take on the role and realize, hey, this is not exactly my strength. And it's okay. It's okay to not your strength. Okay that's, that's the because we have okay. someone else that can kind of back her up, and she can back him up with her technology. And, she, and they're still both useful and both powerful in their own rights, and no one. It's not like it won't be like, oh, you're giving it up to the man. No, no, no. Right. She understood that this is not. It's not where it's not her strong suit. Yeah. yeah, and again, it's just where we're right now. We're just writing our own third act for. Right. We, just, we just wrote our own treatment of the film, so yeah, we'll, we'll give us a call. Right? I mean, we'll see. We'll see <laughs> what happens. We'll see how if we're accurate or if it's something completely different that we haven't foreseen yet. So we'll see. All right, um, coming up next, uh, we are talking about Robert Pattinson. This guy's hot, hot, hot right now. The Batman. Um, yeah, the Batman in about a month now coming up. So he has a new movie coming out. Um, as per deadline, um, after taking nearly two years to figure out his next project following his Oscar sweep of Parasite, director Bong Joon-ho looks to have found his next film, and he's taking a certain Cape Crusade along for the ride. Uh, sources tell Deadline that Bong Joon-ho is in talks to write and direct an untitled film based on Edward Ashton's upcoming novel, Mickey 7, for Warner Brothers, and that Batman star Robert Pattinson is in talks to star. Um, Bong will also produce the entitled film for his production company Offscreen alongside Doe Choi for Kate Street Picture Company and Plan B. So Mickey 6, I'm going to give you a little bit of a breakdown. So Mickey, I'm sorry, Mickey 7. Mickey 7 is a book that is not even out yet. Um, it'll be published in the first quarter of 2022 by St. Martin and Macmillan Print. Um, and the film is inspired by this novel. And um, the novel will follow a character named Mickey 7 and he's an expendable. In this world, an expendable is a disposable employee with a human on a human expedition sent to colorize an ice world known as Nifhelm. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, right? So whenever there's a mission that's just too dangerous and even suicidal at some points, the crew turns to Mickey or, or a Mickey. So after one Mickey dies, a new body is regenerated with the memories of the lost one still intact. So after six death, the seventh Mickey understands what's happening what his life is about and why it's the only, and, and it was the only colonial position unfilled and why he took it so it's kind of him uncovering the mystery of why he's on this mission what he's doing with the other memories behind and it's so great with Robert Pattinson and Bong Joon-ho it's cool to see them team up it's cool to see Robert Pattinson go back to space um, after High Life um, which is another space um, epic that uh, Robert Pattinson was in and Bong Joon-ho coming back after Parasite, coming back to this um, gritty, like almost sci-fi feel. I don't know if you've seen Snowpiercer. It's kind yes, of almost, Snowpiercer. it's kind of a, of, a, of a return to form for um, both actor and director. So it's really exciting to see. It's again, it's a book that's not even out yet, but the fact that there's been like bidding wars and Warner Brothers already believes in it so much to get such talent involved. It's it's great. So really excited. I just, I love this premise. The right? idea of trying to colonize this ice world is actually really fascinating yeah. to me. And like they, instead of like sending robots, they make just replic or replicas and just send them. So we got a little bit of a Blade Runner vibe going there. That's yeah. really cool. I'm, yeah, I mean, Rob Pattinson, look, as soon as the Batman comes out, I, well, I mean, he's already a big star because of Twilight, but people, they doubted him, right? They kind of looked down at him like, oh, he's, he's the Twilight He's kid. Twilight but, you know, What does he know? But he did a lot of indie films during that time between um, 
between now and uh, between Twilight and the Batman. He's done a lot of indie. He did that incredible uh, the lighthouse. The with, lighthouse. Um, he, al- Defoe. he also did um, um, uh, Good Time, which was fantastic. Good Time is one of the best movies he's done, but it showed his range. It showed exactly, his range. showed his range. And I think within Hollywood itself, they don't doubt Rob Pattinson's acting ability. He's he's amazing. He is amazing. And so I'm really excited to see him take on this new project, get more sci-fi out of him. That'll be really cool to see. So, like, again, like, so what are your thoughts on, like, it's, it's, it's almost like a Hollywood, Hollywood tradition for them to, like, bid and try to get um, their hands on on unproven um, concepts or unproven projects. Like, this is a book that's not even out yet. Yeah. You haven't read this yet, but just someone read the premise alone. Like, what are your thoughts on just producers, like, taking big chances on just premises and just right well i mean that's what that's what we need to see more of right because people love to complain like everything's a reboot everything's a remake no one nothing new comes out anymore but then you have fantastic concepts like this getting made into films and sometimes people don't see them and a lot of times people don't see them they think like oh i never heard of that i'm not going to support that oh that's the issue Mm -hmm. you know it's often a lot of times you see the same people that complain about reboots are the same ones that won't give these kinds of movies a chance and it's fortunate that we live in the, the golden age of streaming because a lot of creators are, are getting the phone call like, hey, we want to option your project. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we want to put this into production because mm-hmm. there is a huge grab for content right now. So yes. creators are very fortunate. And we, I feel like as film goers, need to give more chances to these um, unique projects, you know, these indie films, these um bizarre out there worlds that uh, people try to give us and show to us and we're just like pushing them away so yeah right. I'm, I'm glad to see this project is getting made i can't wait to actually watch it and you know thank god it's not another reboot it was- like, look i'm i love reboots um I, here I, I i fall in a different category i would watch a reboot of back to the future i know that's blasphemous but and if anything uh, can be rebooted yeah. and done and re and re and repurposed for a new generation or new or to tell a new story to tell or have a new voice be told it's all about execution but that being said the i the 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 freedom and and the that you have with a new story with a with a new idea with something that's not that's not um connected to a previous you know ip right there's some freedom there's there's opportunity for you to just like do whatever you want and like really expand and, and go and go there but but I understand. I, I'm a sucker for uh, for, for reboots and uh, yeah, and, and, and retreads. Just to be clear, I don't I don't mind reboots, but I am big on giving new material a shot. Yes, you know that's why I love A24. Everything A24 does is, I could say, new, original, and unique, yeah, and has I, a voice. I love and, A24. What's yeah. that new one that's coming out? Um, um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes, uh, with with uh, with star Michelle Yeoh. If you um, have not seen the trailer for that, you need to hop on YouTube and watch that trailer. Everyone's because, on the multiverse kick right now. Right? Yes. So even A24. That is a really exciting looking multiverse movie. I can't when wait A24 to watch that. gets on the multiverse kick, you know, stuff's like really yeah coming up, coming together. Um, all right. So, so so what's next, man? Yeah. So moving on to our final news story today, we have the final Batman. Already. Okay. Yeah, we're we're moving today. Um, right. we have the Batman. So. Look, we've already had three trailers for the Batman. We had um, the, a new music selection came out this week as well. Dropped the new one. Dropped the new uh, track for Batman's theme. Right. And then, I so I kind of wanted to take this time to talk about the Batman as in general because it looks like this this movie is going to launch its own kind of separate little new Batman universe. Yeah. Because look, we have uh, the Gotham series coming out and the Penguin series coming out. 
uh, in case you guys didn't know about this, as far as the Gotham series goes, um, Joe. Oh wait, no. Jiri Hanji. Am I saying that right? The creator. Hanji, yes. The creator of Joe Barton will take over as showrunner on the Gotham Project, which is a spinoff of the Batman. Uh, Barton steps into the, the role two months after Sopranos and Boardwalk Empire veteran Terrence Winter oh, yeah. exited the show over creative differences. So uh, the untitled show, ordered straight to series in July, is designed as a companion piece to director Matt Reeves' Batman, starring Robert Pattinson in the title role. Reeves is among the executive producers of the show, which will feature and examine the corruption in Gotham City set up in the film. The series is part of Warner Media's effort to build a new Batman universe across multiple platforms. At DC's fandom event last summer, Reeves said the series would be told from a crooked cop's point of view and would serve as a prequel to his Batman Year Two movie. The story is actually a battle for his soul, Reeves said at this time. That's awesome. So that's that's really that's fascinating. Awesome. I think I didn't know that part. <laughs> I think we're going to get a much better take on Gotham than we did in the CW show, which yeah. people you know are pretty yeah, mixed opinions. on. Yeah. You know, yeah. but so this. I don't know, because what, what do you think about this Gotham series kind of spinning off of the Batman movie before it's even come out yet? You know what I love about this? It's the the the, the point of view they're taking. This isn't going to be a show about, hey, look at all our rogue out your villains. Oh, look at this. No, it's going to be focused on a detective, a crooked detective. Again, yeah. another theme, a crooked cop, another theme that's, that you'll find, you'll see in Batman. And just about, I love the fact that the story is a battle for his soul. It's a battle of how this guy deals with the fact that, like, do I hold up? Do I uphold justice, or do I, or do I do what this corrupt system is telling me to do? And to have this detective just struggle with this, and also have in the backdrop Gotham and Batman and all his rooms gallery, it's such a great um, story to have. It's a way to ground us. It's a, I love how it grounds us. I love how Matt Reeves just takes even going to the shows. He's trying to ground the viewer into the world of Gotham, and just to have us be in the driver's seat and be in the point of view of of a cop but also a cop that's like having such a struggle it's just i think it's ripe for great storytelling great for for, for great beats here and i'm i'm really excited for for this show and just what it can do and the fact it's going to lead into batman so we can go watch this series and then come back again and watch the batman right as a as a as a uh, sequel story is also also awesome yeah i really love the crooked cop angle because like with gotham with the cw show you have we have jim gordon as the main character Mm -hmm. which is cool but obviously jim gordon he's a you know he's a hero he's a good cop we've we've always seen good cops yeah so to have a crooked cop's point of view that's interesting that might be a kind of a segue to look at the and he's the main person in the show he's the focal point right so that's a great way to look at kind of like the villains maybe he's working with or kind of like slide who knows what's going on there you know possible there possibly be definite um opportunities for cameos right huge cameos probably so which leads us into the second spinoff of the batman which is Mm -hmm. the penguin series Mm -hmm. so colin farrell has officially signed on to star in and executive produce a series spinoff of the batman in which he would play the penguin and this is coming to us from variety uh should the penguin show go forward it would be the second spinoff from the series uh the batman at hbo max the streamer has already ordered a drama set within the gotham police department which we just talked about and so, get this, this is the part that's really interesting. It is part of Warner Media's attempt to launch a new interconnected Batman universe across all of its platforms. That's fascinating. Mm. So this might just be the tip of the iceberg with what we're getting for the Batman. Interesting. This movie's going to be a huge launching point. I wonder why it's almost three hours long clocking it at. Yeah. Have to lay a lot of groundwork. So like, we'll have the Batman movie, then have two 
HBO Max. Two shows already. Shows. Who knows how many more? And then I guess what's I guess it'll again take the I like you know what I like about this DC. It took them about six years, but DC is really learning the right lessons from Marvel mm. in terms of all right. Yeah, say more on that. Yeah, the, the, I think the lesson they're doing is that we could tell stories, right? We can tell these big sprawling stories, which Marvel's been just has has set the standard on, and tell these stories through all of our available platforms. Marvel has the movies, but now they have Disney Plus. Warner has some movies, but now they have HBO Max. And they're able to tell this big sprawling story using all this all the all all the things they have in their arsenal, which is their movies and, 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 and T V shows. So the fact that now they're able to then use so so the reason why I said that they learned that learned that lesson from Marvel is that they took that and they're running it with it, but it's still they're still doing this as its own shared separate Batman universe while also still having their own DCU. Right. So they're able to still keep up with what they've done and what made them successful individual movies some there might be some connectivity but it's whatever we're making good movies if we want to get connected we can and this avenue of the batman allows them to get to allow that allow them to have to tell those kinds of stories so they have their dcu where they can tell like their crazy bombastic stuff from like suicide squad to man of steel to bvs but then right. you get a separate pocket universe where they can tell a sprawling story too but using the film and um, HBO Max and their, and their media platform. So well, I love that they're doing that. That's, well, that's great. Let me ask you this then, because look, we have Flashpoint coming out in, in a few months, oh, right? Yeah, Flashpoint. And so uh, in case you guys don't already know, Flashpoint, we're going to, they're going to feature uh, Michael Keaton's Batman. Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck's Batman. Both of them. So it looks like we're going to have a, situa- a multiverse situation where the timeline will be changed. Maybe the events of Man of Steel didn't happen, or maybe Wonder Woman or Aquaman. Maybe we don't know how the universe is going to look after this is over. And I think the big question is: Will they bring in Robert Pattinson's The Batman? Will he have a role to play in this film? Will it change his universe? Will it affect uh, Gotham and the Penguins? Well, actually, no; those were prequels, so they won't affect those. But will it affect them moving forward if they get multiple seasons of this show? Do we know? Do we know if Flashpoint's going to affect his universe? We don't know yet, but if we're going by what the comics have done, the Flashpoint was used to like reset, reset everything. Right. So if 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 we're going if again if we're going by what the comics are saying, the Flash Flashpoint could potentially again potentially we don't know this. Flashpoint could be used to potentially close the chapter on, you know, the DCU as we know DCU it as we know it, and then it'll then give rise to a new pocket universe where we have like a Robert Pattinson Batman or we have but then there's still movies like but, the, but then we still have movies coming out like Aquaman 2 which clearly right. takes place within the current um, timeline well see I, is it current or the DCU time Aquaman 2 apparently is for what, all we know when does it come out is it before or after Flashpoint I can't remember it comes out after Flash so Flash comes out November 4th right and then Aquaman 2 and the Lost City um, comes out on December 16th. So December Flash 16th. would have come out a full month beforehand. Um, okay, so then Aquaman 2 has to take place in this kind of whatever rebooted Flash universe we've got going. And maybe perhaps. maybe for the purposes of Aquaman 2, the universe doesn't have to like be completely alien and different. It can still be just 
a, a world in which Aquaman exists and he still remembers the events of his first movie. Maybe mm-hmm. one or two things were changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do know he's working with his brother Ocean Master. Yes. So maybe they have a better relationship than they did originally. Maybe they're just saying like, oh, the universe has changed because of Flashpoint, but it hasn't necessarily affected Aquaman's world that much. Yeah, I think what will happen is the know. Flashpoint will 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 happen and it'll, it'll tie everything in a nice little bow. Yeah. But moving forward, it won't stop them from still just telling an Aquaman story or from telling Shazam Fury of the Gods comes out next year. Right. And that one, who knows where it takes place. So I and but then again, this is all with releases. Some of the stuff sort of come out last year. So that's even, true. So it's kind of the same thing that Marvel's going through with like their whole slate. Things just got moved around. Yeah. What I think is happening with this Flashpoint movie is like it's going to it's going it's going to give some closure to Ben Affleck's Batman in the ECU. Um, maybe Definitely. some closure to Michael Keaton's Batman and his universe, and it'll just be used as a as a, as a closure type film to then usher in a new era or a new yeah. crop of, of of movies and heroes. Yeah, Flashpoint is it's a great way to clean the board and keep what you like, get rid of what you don't Most like. Definitely. Most definitely. But then that raises up the question of the the Batgirl movie, which um, also will Michael feature Keaton Michael Keaton's Batman and so, Robin in it too. I don't know if you saw yeah. some of the set photos and Robin, right? Yeah, so is that that's a a post Flashpoint world, right? Where we're in that new universe, I believe. Yeah, and it gets even more confusing because not only is Michael Keaton in that, but Jim Gordon, played by um, J.K. Simmons, who was in the, the, the DCU, as right? Jim he's the Gordon. current DCU. He's also Jim Gordon Jim in Gordon. this, which Jim Gordon is her father. If we're going by that, so a lot of things that they that they can that I think this stuff will be answered a lot um, once you watch. Yeah. Um, Flashpoint. I mean, a lot of this is conjecture on our it's, parts, it's right? We still don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, I'll say this to people listening. It's always fun to speculate and like and just have theories. That's the fun part. Um, theories and speculation are, are fun. They're, they're what make this space. They're what make this whole punditry fun. Um, but I would, I, I'll say though, uh, anyone listening, um, do not, again, I have to, I have to parrot what great John Campia says. Do not allow your expectation or do not do not do not allow your your um uh, what are we talking preferences or what you I want to see happen on screen it, um I can't I can't say it as good as John did but don't you should not let what you want to have happen your expectations become what is needs be, to happen for you to, to enjoy the film yeah it it shouldn't it shouldn't be the end all be all you should speculate you should you should think to see what you want to see in a movie but you should try to leave that at the door before you go into a movie and enjoy it for what the movie is right. um i think that's a rule a golden rule even with 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 fandom because we've seen it a lot from wandavision with uh mephisto to like no way home with all the you know maybe like all, all, all the um, cameos that maybe happen or not but i think it's good to always have that sense of like make sure you keep your your uh expectations in check yeah i want to split a little sidebar for that as well no that's a great point man so i mean yeah at the end of the day i'm i'm sure we're both really excited to see the batman oh yeah of course i mean everything we've seen so far from the trailers to the music to the announcement of spinoff series just gets you more pumped to see the actual film and it really is going to mark i think a, a special kind of turning point in the dceu i mean even more so than flash kind of reimagining things for them i think the Batman is going to get the DCU back on track to where it wants to be. So, just closing thought. Then, where do you th- where do you see this going? Do you see this Batman movie being like a one off movie, 
Like, you know, I know we're going to get, like, the series, but do you think we'll get, like, a trilogy, a, 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 a traditional one, two, three trilogy? You know, it's, I feel like it's rare to see a studio put so much um, emphasis and, like, hope on a movie that hasn't even come out yet. You know, we already have show announcements. We have, oh, this is going to be a universe across multiple platforms. You know, for them to put so much into it, that means that they have an, an incredible must, amount of yeah, faith. It must be good. That it's, then, right? It must be an amazing film. Yeah, must and they must good. really expect it to get a huge reaction from fans. So, I I mean, I'm just going to buckle in and kind of absorb everything I see with them. Do you think your boy's going to be in it? You, you, you have your... Do I think... Do you think you know who's going to be in it? Who? Um, you said... Uh, oh, 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 gosh. Okay, well, we need to look up his name. Um, for those um, you don't um, know, no, Barry there, Keegan. Name? There have been rumors that the Joker will be in this film, played by... Barry Keegan is the name. He, he played Keegan. he played Druig in um, The Eternals. And so, yeah, I... You think he's Joker? Well, that's the rumor. The look, we, we have... What is it? We have three separate villains in this film already. We have Penguin, we have Catwoman, and we have Riddler. I don't think it's unheard of to say the Joker might have a small cameo in there, because... They're doing a lot of world building, you and they, they need to do a lot of world building. You think it's overkill having like a fourth one show up? I, you know, usually I would say it's a lot, but at the same time, they're pinning a lot of hope on this Batman movie. As, as I just said, they want to build this universe, and they want to spur, branch it out into different areas. So, if you want to throw everything at the wall and you think you can handle it, because obviously they do seem to feel like, oh, this is going to be a huge success for us, mm-hmm. go for it. You know, we've already seen Spider-Man No Way Home use six different villains, and it, it's fine. It worked. So it's possible. I think it's all... I agree to an extent. I think it's all about how they... The usage and, and whatnot. Like, I'm... If 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 he's in the movie as who we think he is, and we think he's... The, the rumor is it's Joker. If, if perchance it's Joker, someone is a Batman villain that big. Like, if it was for Mr. Freeze or Mad Hatter, like, if they threw him in... Yeah. But this is Joker we're talking about. That's like his OG villain. And, you know, um, I said earlier, like, remember what Nolan did in his Batman Begins? All he did was reference Joker with a card. Right. And everyone on Earth knew exactly what that meant. I And, and I'm hoping they kind of do something similar to that. I don't, personally, I don't have to see the actual Joker person, but a, call, a card, a mention, something like that, that's Nolan-esque, I think would work because... I'm afraid that if you just bring a fourth person in, like a cool, like, oh, new characters in, it could, could, not saying will, but it could feel kind of shoehorned in. Again, it's a three hour long, it's a three hour long movie. Maybe there's room for him, but I'm just afraid. I just hope that he's not shoot, shoehorned in. I'm not opposed to him being in there. I just hope he's brought in in a cool, really cool way because he's, he, it's Joker. You have to come correct with Joker. Let, let me put this proposal out there to you. We've seen the Penguin get his own spinoff series. What if they kind of throw in the Joker in last minute at the end to set him off on his series and announce it the same week the movie comes out? A Joker series. Because look, the, the okay. Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, that, that was a billion dollar film. Yeah. People love this character certainly more than the Penguin. And the Penguin seems to be getting his own series for some reason, which I'm still not sure yet. I think it's I think because of Colin Farrell. If Probably you, if you have Colin Farrell, you, you, you keep him to, to, to work with him. But, but yeah. how would you feel about that? Like, let's say we do get that Joker cameo, and it's the announcement of the spinoff. A Joker, I would rather have that announcement be again not not to harp on Nolan again because it's just Nolan did such a good job. But I'd rather have that if we do see him, it's it's a harbinger of him in a sequel movie. Hmm. I don't think we again. I could change my mind anytime, but I don't 
I don't know if we would need to see a Joker a Joker spinoff show. In the regard of this, well, again, this is just saying. Hopefully, I'm not saying it's what they're going to do, but I don't think we need to see his origin or where he came from because he. Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't want like to see he's an enigma. Origin, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker was, I think, was one of the few exceptions where we saw his origin and it worked. And right, but I think not, we don't have to do that. A lot. We, we, it, it, but it's not like the norm with Joker. He's the he's mystery. He's chaos. He's all that stuff. We don't have to see where he came from. More so, I'd, if they do, if, if if there was a series on Joker, I'd want to see. I want it to be just about him being a crime boss. Him just messing stuff up. Him, him, and, him and his rogues. I don't know. It's 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 how I'd want to see it. But that's like a a perfect scenario. I think the Joker is better for cinema and not for long form storytelling because. What's what's there to discover about him? He doesn't want you to know this stuff about him. That's fair. He's and a force see, of nature. That's really. the thing about the Joker. There's there's a little bit of mystery to him that you can appreciate. Like that's, that's what that's what endears him to Most us. famously in Nolan's film, we had a situation where the Joker was making up his origin story every, every single time. Every he time did he it, would it retell it. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was always different, and that that adds so much to the character because you don't need to know it. Adds this mystery and this danger to him that kind of draws people in. And, but then even with, to be fair, even with the Joaquin Phoenix film, we kind of related to that Joker well because oh, yeah, he, he was very grounded in reality and it, it dealt with mental health and uh, wealth he disparity. He was, he, he, was a, he was a major system victim. to an extent. Yeah. But then at a certain point, he kind of uh, turned to criminal activity when, you know. He, 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 he bought into what the society was putting into him so yeah, yeah. and I, I don't want to blame society on that because he still made his own choices but at the we say time, society like, with quotation marks so. yeah you can yeah. sympathize with them you might not agree with him but you can understand like oh I understand why this character is the way he is and I think that's the real key to a good Joker story you know? oh yeah no nah, but no we're, we're super excited just for all of DC stuff we got not to a little, a little tiny tangent but we even got Peacemaker out here just making some noise for Peacemaker's DC. doing great um, for DC right how now. How great too. is John Cena? Uh, no, he's... Isn't John Cena fantastic? He, he is John fantastic Cena. in the series. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't watched Peacemaker, it's on HBO Max right now. The first four episodes have been out. And people... I mean, the response has been huge. People love the show. It is hilarious. It has a really intriguing mystery to it. And we're just seeing John Cena at his best. So he, It's the first time I've ever seen that I've wanted to level with and feel bad for a douchey bro that murders yeah minorities and stuff and yeah, no. and brags about it it's like it's crazy how james gunn did that it's it, and he did it within four episodes we're like right. a dear to him like it's we're rooting for him because if you're familiar with the suicide squad you know he he was kind of a douchebag and one of he eventually became an antagonist in the film he and murdered rick flag yeah, he killed rick flag through that guy and so you have james gunn taking this character and kind of really humanizing him and showing more for his character arc saying like you know he wants to move beyond just being the killer you know and it's really fascinating to see and funny yeah so. and on, on top of that he's asking himself why am i a killer what makes a killer a killer what is it is it, is it his upbringing and we're finding out slowly and but surely, maybe it is his upbringing. Who knows? So. Yeah, he's, he's really questioning his whole uh, crusade for peace because yeah. it's not exactly peaceful, is it, the way he's going about it? So and No matter how many men, women, and children he has to do to get it, is it worth the men, women, and children right. to get it? And he's, he, it's, it's cool to see um, James Gunn ask the character these questions and we're seeing just it all play out 
in his head as he's going. And yeah, it's just a great series. If any of y'all have not watched, it's on HBO Max. Um, it, pre it premieres new episodes every Wednesday night. So check it out, guys. And so, guys, with that down and out of the way, let's move into the second half of the podcast let's where we do, do some of our movie reviews. So this week we're going to be talking about Scream and Licorice Pizza. So I think we already kind of hinted at, at this a bit earlier in the in the uh, podcast that Scream has done surprisingly well oh, yeah, for, the, for the studio. No pun intended. Yeah. Really an unexpected hit amongst fans. And so, Kosi, what, what do you think it is about this new Scream? Because this is Scream 5, technically. They're calling yes. it Scream, yes. but it is the fifth <laughs> film in the franchise. Those are naming conventions, huh? Yeah. <laughs> So, so what did you think about the film? Coach? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Um, I am a, I am a screen. I'm, I'm a screen fan. I'm a Wes Craven fan. Um, Scream obviously is his, is his landmark, um, film series. And yeah, just going, going into Scream, um, I didn't have like high expectations. I'm not like a big like you better impress me. No, I just, I'm a big trailer guy. The trailers sold me. I like, I like the story. It's always it's it's always a new crop of kids who are being stalked by Ghostface. There's always a reason behind it. I know this. I know the I know the rules. But again, and one of the characters, as Dewey said in the in the trailer, this one feels kind of different, and it did. This one was the most meta and most self-referential scream in the entire franchise. Scream, and that's and that says something a lot coming from a from a franchise that is that is prides itself on being self-referential and really deep into easter eggs and whatnot and i just loved just what this this um movie was able to do and was able to say currently about um horror culture what we like what's big right now in horror um and also fandom i love like every every movie in the series has had some kind of commentary on what's going on and then this scream was just a commentary on not just fandom but how fandoms can get I say toxic and get out of hand. How mm. people want to write their own people believe they can people believe they can write their own and even better um, stories in like Hollywood and how Hollywood's getting um, stale and, and and monotonous and also just and and how we and how we view horror. What's considered horror? What's considered elevated horror? Um, one character said Jordan Peele rules. That's because he does because he's all he's be able to put his stamp on horror by. By doing it from like a social way there's social horror there's elevated horror and like it there's there's horror where you deal with people not only being stalked by a monster or a ghost or a demon but people dealing with you know family struggles it's where you get the hereditaries where you get the baba dukes and those got it was cool to have those get their shouts out love sydney prescott seeing her back again love seeing gail weathers love seeing dewey cox um all of them from from ned campbell to courtney cox to david arquette the three ogs did such a good job the new crop of kids i i i want to give a, a first shout out to the sister tara played by jenny ortega oh jenny ortega was great was amazing jenny ortega's she's blown up she's blown up she was in babysitter part two she's gonna be she's actually gonna be wednesday adams in the adams family a show excited she has, to watch that she has a new movie called x also from a24 x is about um a side note x is about a um um porn stars a porn a, a porn company that goes to a um a bit like a abandoned house to shoot mm -hmm. and spooky stuff um, uh, um, uh, uh, happens that the house is on the property of witches, and and they're up to no good, and they have to. Do, do we know up. what role she's playing in that? She she's the girl that wrote that wrote the the, okay, the script. Okay, I was about to say because she's seeing not in her it. as a, a 
porn star would have been strange. <laughs> yeah, a, little, so. a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah but anyway, yeah, she, she's amazing. So she has such a great uh, career coming up. So she was great. Love Sam. Sam, her older sister. Um, the, so um, Jenna Ortega's older sister, Sam, played by, by Melissa Barrera, was a great anchor for 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 just being the main. She's now the new final. They're both kind of new final girls, but they're but they both sh- shouldered that role. Love the Meeks twins. Um, one played by Mason Gooding was uh, was the older on um, Chad Meeks, and let me see his uh, sister. Um, I just love these two. Um, these uh, they play the the niece and nephew of um, of uh, of Randy Meeks. He was Jamie Kennedy's character in the in the original screen movies. I love their characters. They were just great movie nerds and 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 horror film nerds. So they they were able to bring especially, especially Mindy. I think Mindy's her name. Um, Make sure I have this up here. Um, play, played by Jasmine Savoy Brown. Yeah, th- they did a great job. So I, I, I liked, I, I liked this new group of kids. What I love most though were the kills. Mm. I think any, I think Scream has always prided itself on the kills. I always look for that. I look for great sequences. Um, Scream Four, which came before this, had a great, had great sequences. But I think this one in total had some of the best kill sequences in this series i think they had some like alzheimer's um in there not just from the goriness but just from how inventive and how mm. how scared and how much they put you in the in the position in, in the space of the people being stalked so i loved it um i guess we could, could we go into well well I, i've shared my initial thoughts well i want to share my initial thoughts but then you do you want to share your thoughts oh you sure yeah so obviously i'm not as deep into the franchise as you are i remember seeing the first one like years ago but since then i kind of fell off but mm. this the great thing about this one is i feel like you didn't need to kind of have all that background to appreciate it this was still a really fun kind of a murder mystery where you're trying to oh, figure yeah. out okay who is it who are these killers how many of them are there yes. we, we don't know for sure so that was a really fun side to it, and I appreciated seeing um, those older characters come back, even though maybe I don't necessarily know every aspect of their backstory, but I can appreciate who they were and what they kind of lent to the newcomers taking on the mantle of the leads in this movie. I mean, like you said, Jenny Ortega was fantastic. The opening sequence, oh, I think, was God. really well done. I love how they modernized it with the use of the cell phone, unlocking and locking the door, you know, kind of brought it into uh, the modern realm. It also, really the good. urgency in which the ghost face... Um, acted in this version he was I guess you haven't seen or he's a lot more ruthless and a lot more brutal in this one yeah he, there's something malicious he's about scarier he's actually scary in this and that's that added to it and all the the kind of meta references to the film itself kind of just you know it really I think it's kind of a love letter to the fans as well it kind of brings the audience in as you're watching it like oh this is how people act in a horror movie this is what we're trying to to do to avoid making their mistakes but we inevitably still kind of make similar mistakes so it's it's actually really fun and interesting to watch you know what i love the the, the two black kids survived in this movie that is true that I, is very I, I, true I, I freaking appreciated the hell out of that radio silence the guys that directed this they they understood <laughs> on that um yeah, I I think I think. Do you want to go into the spoiler? Let's talk about a couple spoilers now. Oh, sure, let's do it. The reveal, the reveal, the reveal of the killers. My goodness, I I, I was sitting next to you. I legit was like, holy shit, she that's that's that happened, yeah. and it's revealed that the killers are. Oh my god! Shout out to the killers are are um played by. Well, I mean, you don't, I don't know if you want to go that. Well, do we want to say their names? 
Amber is one of the killers. Okay, we're doing it. We're doing <laughs> and it. And Richie matter. is one of the, and and Richie. Um, so again, taking their cue from from Screen Four, which had a double um a a, a double tandem of killers, a boy and a girl. Um, I, I like I like that callback, but just um um his name is um he's played by Jack Quaid is is Richie's name. Jack Quaid is the son of Dennis Quaid. He's also plays Huey in The Boys. I didn't know he's the son of Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Same smile, yeah. Um, oh, Dennis that's Quaid interesting. And, Dennis Quaid and Met and and um, Meg Ryan's kid. Um, yeah, he's uh, he was excellent, excellent. I did not, I didn't see it coming that he was in on it too. Because yeah, from it, screen, it was yeah. pretty clever yeah. because they kept alluding to him, saying like, "Oh, well, this guy's got to be him," you know, early on. So we, as the audience, we brush it off. So like, okay, well, obviously it can't be him because you're telling us it's him. Yeah. But then you know they come back and it comes full circle. It's actually really cool. It came full circle, and the another cool 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 callback was um the other the other killer amber um the actress let me pull up let me pull her up um because she also did a great job um again it's a it's a testament to their acting ability because i was not able to know or tell like what they're on i'll just tell me mikey madison is this girl's name all five foot three of her mikey madison um she was the other killer in this um she unfortunately had the pleasure of uh, taking out Dewey. She was a killer that killed Dewey. Yes, yeah, Dewey right. dies. I hated it. It was a stupid way to die, but Dewey went out like and a champ, but I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. Uh, I'm sorry, what were you saying? No, I, I just have a quote here from, uh, what? what is the original lead's name? Um, oh, um, um, from Sam? Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell, yeah. Uh, and she was saying that when they, um, basically Variety asked her about uh, Dewey getting killed, and her quote is that, uh, I was devastated. I still have trouble wrapping my head around it. I still question whether it was the right choice because from what I'm hearing, there are a lot of fans who are really upset. So it seems like going into it, they knew there would be some backlash to this, but I feel like in the context of the film, it works really well. It catches us off guard. and it's It did really, that. I will say that. I was, you know, I was surprised, did not see it coming, and yeah. it was still... It's, it, this is why it's so. It, this is why it still works, even though I disagree with it. I don't like it. I thought it was dumb. It's still in character with what Dewey would have done. That's what Dewey would have done. That's it. Still, it, and it still harkens back to just the rules of horror movies. We got to double tap your villain, but sometimes uh, it doesn't go that way. Um, but anyway, back to the the, the killer, or the actress named Mikey Madison, who played the killer that got that killed um, Dewey. She was also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was part of my, of Charles Manson's um, crew. Mm. So at the very end, when he, those three that those three kids that come to 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 kill um, to to, uh, to to kill Brad Pitt's character, right. he, he so they're the they're the kids that he fights. So there's one there's one boy he just takes out and stomps on him. One girl he smashes her, but the last girl that Leo lit on fire. That's the girl that was the killer. Oh, they used the same kind of way to kill. It her. was kind of and in this and in Scream and, and in Scream Five, she was also killed using fire. Had the same exact scream and everything. It was almost like a. It was a very very subtle nod and wink to uh, the audience if you if you uh, are uh, are privy to that. So yeah, I loved it. I had a great time. You can tell the the, the filmmakers and the cast all had a good time just doing this, and so I I had a I, I had a blast. Um, so, well, let me just ask you this: since before we head on to the next movie, do you are you excited to see a sequel to this? Maybe with the younger leads taking over the mantle of the franchise, and like the older characters just full on retiring from it. Quite frankly, I'm 
I'm good with where this ended. Oh, you're, you I'm don't want to see any sequels? I think I think it's good where it ended. The oh, The reason wow. why it's there, any and every person that could come back that wants to have revenge has come back, has had revenge, has gotten killed. Any, they've, they've kind of turned over every stone to do it, and the way they left this, and the way it ended, especially where it ended, it, the, 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 final, the, the final third act takes place where the third act of the first movie took place. At, at Stu Marker's house, one of the original killers. It takes place there, and it even ends in a similar shot as the original movie ends. I took that as a way to say, hey, it's all it all came back in a nice little loop, a nice little bow to tie it off. Um, Sidney Prescott and Gail Weathers, both, their arcs are done. They've, they've really, I think they've both exercised whatever demons they still had, albeit trauma from the earlier killings and just trauma just being around these new ones. They're able to exercise them and get them and, and let them go. That's why I loved when main girl Sam asked Sydney at the end, am I going to be okay? Mm-hmm. And Sydney and Sydney was able to reassure her and I think that was just a way of also telling you, talking to us, the audience, saying, hey, y'all, y'all are going to be fine. Like, you have you have this in, amazing series of movies to watch. Um, you come up from start to finish, but again, it is Hollywood. So right. I will never say never. For me personally, um, I'll be done. Basically, the next time we'll see another screen movie will be 2033. I'll give another Same. another 10 years. But this one's doing so well. Yeah, that's Who the big the thing. Hell knows. Because Who knows? look, <laughs> if you didn't already know, this screen movie in its first week Boomer made Bucks. more than the last movie made in its entire run. Say that one more time, cousin Chris. This new screen movie made more in its first week than the last screen movie, Scream Four made in its entire run. Yeah, man. Buku Dolores. So, uh, it feels yeah. like at this point, a sequel is probably guaranteed from the Hollywood point of view. You know, Well, and... in that case, since you're asking what it'll do, I say they should do what they wanted to do in Scream 3 originally. I think I, told, I was talking to, talking to you about this. So, the original the original idea for Scream 3 was to have um, Stu Mocker. Stu Mocker was played by the great Matthew Lillard. You can know him as Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. So Stu Mocker in the original movie, um, Sidney Prescott, play, played by Nev Campbell, fights Stu and kills him by throwing a TV on his face, and Stu seemingly dies. In the original draft, in the original draft for, for Scream Three, that was scrapped eventually. It called for a Stu now disfigured from having a TV fall on his face, is now training a army of ghost faces. So not just two, but like several ghost faces. That would be awesome. And so that and so that that final that final third act included which sounds awesome. That final third act included multiple reveals of oh no, there's another killer. Oh no, there's one more killer. It <laughs> it's pandemonium and I think that would have been nuts. cool. Yeah, I think that would have been pretty cool to see. I'm um, just watching that pandemonium go out, but Again, speaking of that, I I would have actually been cool if we saw in this new one that there was a third one, a third killer, a third killer. That would have been awesome. I think it would have been great if they was revealed. No, no, no. There's still one more, and we're not sure, and it could be anybody we just saw. Um, but yeah, I, I for for a Scream Six, I would not be opposed to having Matthew Lillard come back. Matthew Lillard has not left the public eye. He's still relevant. People love him. He's Shaggy, um, Ultra Instinct Shaggy. Shout out to Ultra Instinct Shaggy for. <laughs> For being a thing now, so yeah, I think if they wanted to bring him back, I I think the actor would be cool with coming back. Um, so that's just one concept. If they, if they did that for a six, I'd be game. But maybe just leave it on for a little bit, let it enjoy this all the love it's getting before we start going to see Walitis. But it's probably already too late, right? All right, all right, good stuff, man. Well, 
Fair enough. Let's move on to our final review for today. We have we coming have up next we have a doozy. the Oscar <laughs> buzzing licorice pizza. All right, man. Let's just, oh, let's man. just call what this is. Let's just. Oh, you want to start off with this? Let's go ahead and shoot that elephant in the room. Yeah, let's, um, let's, let's bring him out. While this movie is getting plenty of Oscar buzz, we need to follow it up with this disclaimer. This movie is about a pedophilic relationship between a 25-year-old woman and a 15-year-old boy. So, yeah. Um, again, I'm a big, I'm a big trailer I'm a big trailer guy. So, so the trailers for this movie I thought were fantastic. I thought they were great. It really sold me on just it 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 really sells it as a come of coming of age like love story between these two crazy kids and like I really felt that <clears throat> I felt that just in the trailer. Um not going into the going into the movie, um First off, I, for the most part, I enjoyed the movie. I did. Uh, I believe it's well shot, it's well acted, and it's a, it's, I think it's well paced because it's a slice of life movie. Slice of life meaning it's not really like a plot, you're just kind of watching character that you may or may not like just go through life and you're just going with them from scene to scene. And that's what this movie was. So it kind of, those kinds of movies kind of sort of ask you to like, it kind of, it kind of hopes that you like whoever it is you're watching. In my regard, I happen to like the characters enough to to, to keep going with, with the story. But I have to say, it was bothersome to know because early on in the movie, it's 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 stated that I'm Gary Valentine is is the boy's name. He says, "Hey, I am indeed 15 years old." Um, and I said, want to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on just oh god that oh, um. God. Pizza. Um, let's let's start with the trailer because <laughs> look, the first time I was watching that trailer, I was like, "Oh, this seems like an interesting uh, coming of age story, right?" And then the next few times it came up in theaters, I was watching this trailer. I realized something: there are a lot of gratuitous shots of uh, the female lead, Alana Himes, Alana Himes' character. We get. Plenty of her legs, her chest. I mean, she's in a bathing suit frequently, mm-hmm. and that is exactly what we get in this film. So, so you got a problem with her showing too much, or I feel camera, like camera you know, selection? I mean, usually it's fine, but it feels like it feels gratuitous in this film. I feel like we get a lot of shots of her in a bikini, a lot of shirts of a lot of shots of her in a short skirt, and us putting emphasis. The camera follows her legs. And then, for whatever reason, she's the only character in this film that doesn't wear a bra, and the camera the camera likes to remind us of that frequently because we get a lot of shots of her chest. Was that how it was so, like in the seventies, though? I well, even if it were that way, which I I, I don't think so, but mm-hmm. like even if it were, she's the only character that's objectified in that way. So it seems bizarre that just this one female is seems underdressed while everyone else around her including the women are just in normal clothes you know? you know what i got from that and i could be wrong but what i took away from that was it was to show how much of a schlub and how much of just not not there yet her character was her characters didn't care her uh, it, it was a, it, I, I saw it as a reflection of just what was gone in her in her inner her, her inner turmoil was shown in, a, in an outward way she had she had a terrible way of like connecting with people I think I, again. I think that's how she grew as a character because she just didn't know how to connect. She was used a lot. She was objectified, so I could see why she would dress that way. 
then again, why is the cameraman making those following her? Yeah, I why, mean, why, why is he making those decisions with the, with the shots? I guess. Right. I mean, even if that's what they were going for, we don't we don't need to see her her nipples every other scene or her legs every other scene and her in a bathing suit every other scene. One of them was played for laughs when she flashed them. That was played for laughs, and you, and you did One not of those see played them. for laughs. You didn't see them. She just we don't did see her it. actually flash, but it's like we we get plenty of her body throughout this okay. film, and that wasn't necessary. But that that's actually not even my biggest gripes about <laughs> yeah, this film. Look. Even. Look, at the end of the day, this film, it doesn't have a plot. It's characters jumping from one incident to the next. And Kosi, as you've pointed out several times, uh, someone could say the same about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But that char- but that movie works because I feel like we get a lot from those characters. We get to see full-on character arcs from them. We get to see their inner turmoil. We get to see how they grow. But with Licorice Pizza, we have a situation where there is no plot and it's hard to find the actual character development for the our two main leads as the film progresses. Do you think you would say that if you like these kids? If you like these kids, would you enjoy the film? No, but do you think you would say it has no plot? Because I agree it does not have a plot, but I oh. liked them and I was still able to follow what was happening. There right, is, right. There's still some semblance of what's going on because oh, I think... There is. I, I don't know if we can say that for this film because things happen and then yeah. there, there are no consequences. Like, and the characters don't discuss it, which is another th- issue I have with this film. A lot of the times, things will happen within their relationship or in life to them, and it's never talked about between the characters. Like, for example, uh, Alana's character, uh, she follows uh, Gary, right, mm-hmm. our main character, on a trip to one of his acting jobs. Mm-hmm. And he ends, she ends up uh, hooking up with one of his coworkers. And they go back, and basically she's dating the co-worker. She has him over for dinner. And then they unceremoniously break up. And Gary never brings this up. They never discuss this incident. And the same kind of situation happens again, where Gary meets a girl. He starts uh, hooking up with her, dating her for a little bit. And Alana never brings it up with him. They never talk about their relationship issues. I saw that as, again, of the lack of communication, immaturity, and just how, at that point in their relationship, they just weren't... It, it was a show, not tell. They were showing how they were dysfunctional, how they just were toxic. They were showing it. Instead of having them have a big, you know, movies, how they have like a big fight in the rain, like, you don't care. And they never had that. It's just, you, you were able just to see in the midst of all this, going from, going from scene to scene, how they didn't communicate very well. How in the beginning, they didn't communicate. They didn't really trust one another. They didn't respect one another's like feelings or whatever. Because I think he even called her out on it and she just, was nonplussed about the whole thing. I think I think it was just to show that, like, look, right now these kids are, they're falling for each other, but they're they're both doing a sh- pretty crappy job of of falling for one another. But again, I just wish Gary was the same age as she was. Yeah, because when I say falling for each other, it's like Gary Gary's a little player. He's a mac. That boy, that boy has lines. He was he he was a fi- he's fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. But he was able to spit his game to a, to a grown woman, like convincingly so, and get her to go out with him. Like so, he's like the aggressor. So, would that be looked at as like such a bad thing? It's not any better because okay. There, okay. This is, and this is another issue with the film, right? We have Gary. He's supposed to be fifteen. It's just that he has no parental supervision. He seems to have unlimited money to create whatever business he wants, whenever he wants. Yeah. He uh, does need to worry about school. We see him at school in the f- opening scene, and then it just never comes up again. Well, no, like that was things. summer. School was coming up. So school was late. That was the last day of school. Was it summer? Yeah, yeah. That was the last day of school. Wait, so all of this movie takes place in a single summer? That was the summer of 73. He, he opens up two businesses. 
was like well one one failed and the other one opened up it was the waterbed one well that, two no but two businesses the waterbed and then the pinball one Oh, the the, the the arcade opened. The, the arcade opened up at the early end because you used. The, okay, I see. Yeah, I see so I see we're, so now we're saying all this happened in, in less than eight weeks, at like three months. It happened in three months. Okay, well I because it, it was pictured. Issue too. Yeah. We don't know the timeline's a little bit fuzzy for this film. A little bit, a little bit. And things happen. Look, things happen in this film. Like early on, Gary is arrested. Uh, at one point, they destroy Barbara Streisand's house. Um, Brad. Shout out to Bradley Cooper. Look, big oh, shout yes. out. Oh my gosh. To be fair, let's, let's, say let's the take Bradley a second. Cooper scene let's take a second is, of course, first. The best scene. Bradley Cooper, he was a hired gun. Hired gun came in, probably did like a day, probably maybe two days tops. Came in, put on a wig, did that. So fun fact: John, Bradley Cooper played John Peters, who was dating Barbara Streisand at the time. John Peters got his start in like the music industry, but then took that money. And then went into movies. John Peters produced Batman '89. That was him. He produced Batman '89. Wow. He wanted to go make a Superman movie. Our our homie John Schnepp oh, did a whole documentary on him. Right. He want he wanted to do the Superman movie that was scrapped with had the big spider where Superman fought that spider. That was his idea. Yeah, he John Peters had a big thing for spiders. I'm kind of curious to. I would want to see his reaction to how he was portrayed in this film because at <laughs> one point his character kind of um, I don't want to say full on sexually assaults, but I mean he forces Alana to kiss him mm-hmm. basically. So I don't know how he feels about that. But but look, just going back to it. Oh, oh I have to add, and he's responsible for the spider thing in Wild Wild West. Oh well, right there you go. <laughs> he, he 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 got his dream. So, so yeah, look, I feel like going into this film, no plots, very little character development, the odd situation where the characters choose not to discuss their relationship or the incidents that are happening around them. For those reasons, this movie just, it just didn't work for me, but I, I am glad that it worked for you. I'm glad that you still enjoyed it. Oh yeah. I, I enjoyed it, but I, I also, just because I enjoyed it doesn't mean I'm not privy to the clear glaring issues. Yeah. Um, just my, my one issue is just the age, but other than that, if they literally if their ages were changed, I would I would not have had this weird feeling. But the weird feeling, I guess, it still didn't ruin my experience because again, Paul Thomas Anderson just makes great movies, great looking movies, great tiny movies, great great with great performances, and everybody did a great did a great job as a character. And it just I think Paul Thomas Anderson maybe and and he's been pushing back on this saying hey it was based off of like a real person and this is what it was like back then and like you know i can understand you're an artist you defend your work but understand this people are going to have their own opinions about your work and they're going to have their own thoughts and as an artist you got to just be okay with that he put out what he thought was what he thought was was good you know i I don't fault him for it a strange choice but i don't fault him a lot of strange choices were made and, you know, I think we, we, we talked about this previously, but this movie, if I didn't already know it had all this Oscar buzz on it, it wouldn't have occurred to me that this was an yeah. Oscar-worthy film. As much as I liked and enjoyed, nearly loved, but just really, really liked, I wouldn't personally nominate it for Best Picture. But I think it's still get, it should still get nominated for other things, like costuming, production, the whole, the whole production, it's great. Great. It was Production's great. great. Production is like... on point. It felt like I was watching a movie from the seventies, like legit. But they're just—I wouldn't say it's like a best of the year, right? Some something like I, I 
personally, I would rate House of Gucci. House of Gucci is like my best of the year. One of my, one, one of my, one of my best Gucci, of the year. No, that's fair. House um, of Gucci is great. I haven't seen Last Duel, but Last Duel is getting a lot of love. Tragedy Last Duel is a great film. Tra- Tragedy to Macbeth getting a lot of love. Yeah. Um, Nightmare Alley, which I still need to watch, getting a lot of love. Like, there's mm-hmm. stuff that, like, you know. See, and it's so bizarre to even include Licorice Pizza in the conversation with those films because you look at the caliber of filmmaking that goes into those other ones, and you're like, how, why is this here? Why is this in this category? Again, I'll defend Paul Thomas Anderson's work on Licorice Pizza. It's it's because he, it's, it's a simple story. He took a simple thing, boy meets girl, boy meets girl, boy meets girl, and they fall in love. Simple concept, but he took it and kind of stretched that. And dare I say, in his own way, not that I agree, but in his own way, he turned that concept on his head. Whether or not it worked, the whole boy meets girl concept, but turn it, but turn it on its head. Whether or not it worked, it's up for our interpretation as the audience. Um, but I do not, I don't, I don't, I don't fault Paul Thomas Anderson for making those decisions. Do I agree with them? No, I would just no. easy just age them up, aged him up, and just kept it. It would not have his age. His age has no bearing on the story, how it goes, exactly. how, how it happens, nothing. This it boy could, acts like a grown man throughout yeah, the film. He's he actually could, m- more... He's more ma- he's more mature than Alana. His character I, I mean, is more mature. they'll throw in the fact that, oh, he's making masturbation jokes to say he's immature, but at the same time, he can start a business on a whim. He's grown very man. good with people. Grown man. Yeah, he's more effective than most grown men, so yeah. it's a bizarre choice I like to him. say he's it's a teenager. Philip Seymour Hoffman's boy, that boy is going to go places he's good oh, I, I don't doubt he's that. Yeah, he I'm is sure. good i'm glad he's i'm and for his first movie right for his first movie that boy's like 19 years old first movie this is first like his first thing get this much oscar buzz i'm, I'm happy for him like in that regard, would you watch great. stuff with him in it if he's in another oh, yeah, movie no, i have okay. no issues with the actors themselves i'm sure like their portrayals were fine it's just i wish they had better material to work right. with yeah yeah hell yeah man but good for him Ladies and gentlemen, I think that will just about wrap it oh, up man, for already? us this week. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we're we good to go. We're still waiting for more movies to come out. And once they do, we will be here to give you our thoughts and opinions. Yeah, just again, thanks for we'll, – we'll be trying to co- compile just more stuff to give you guys. I'm look, being the lookout for – we're, we're going to be doing a little breakdown of not only the Avengers, but also Spider-Man. This, the first Spider-Man by Sam Raimi. Um, the Avengers turns 10 years old this year. Spider-Man turns 20, so look out for that. We're going to do like a little cool like retrospective uh, breakdown of just what they mean, what both movies meant to Marvel and to the just the, the, the whole movie space um, in, in general. So look out for that. But as always, um, you can always you can always come back here um, and, and hang out with us no matter what your opinions are on movies, love them or hate them. Just know that there's always room for, for you on this couch. So thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye, guys.